In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Christ is in our midst. He is never Time and time again, the church calls us to fasting. During this season, once again, once again, it's essential that we hear the prescription of the church. We heard it in today's gospel reading. Fast and pray. Fast and pray. Fast and pray. And if we do most truly, by this seemingly outward act, we'll begin to experience the most incredible freedom from captivity to the passions. The flames of the appetites, which seem to be constantly consuming us, will be tamed with the gentle reign of self-control. The attainment of self-control is key to the opening the floodgates to the flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Why would we not desire the most beautiful, to open the most beautiful gates of our souls to God? Why would we rather be burdened by appetites and desires? Do we desire to be free from our heavy and burdensome addictions? Then let us hear the call, even of our Savior, to fast and pray. It's not just me who's recommending it, you see. It's the call of our Savior to fast and pray. Today, in that we're in the midst of a fasting season, that of the Dormition Fast, I want to share a section from one of my favorite writings by an unknown author. In this section, we hear about fasting specifically and asceticism in general. It's important for us to have the right perspective. It's important for us to approach any kind of spiritual effort with the correct mindset. Asceticism is the very thing that St. Paul was discussing in today's epistle reading. The willing struggle, the taking up of the crosses that we have to bear. And in my reading this week, I came upon a simple definition of asceticism. Asceticism literally just means struggle. But in the book that I was reading, the author quoted it simply as, Our effort to do God's will. We should constantly be struggling to do God's will. That's what this struggle is all about. Not just about shutting ourselves up or following rules, but it's about struggling to do God's will. So the reflection begins. A boy once approached his father. Old man, why do you fast? The father stood silent, bringing heart and mind together. And then he said, Beloved boy, I fast to know what it is that I lack. For day by day I sit in abundance, and all is well before me. I want not, I suffer not, and I lack but that for which I invent a need. But my heart is empty of true joy. 
filled yet overflowing with dry waters. There's no room left for love. I have no needs, and so my needs are never met. No longings, and so my desires are never fulfilled. Where all the fruits of the earth could dwell, I have filled the house with dust and clouds. It is full, so I am content, but it is empty, and so I weep. Thus I fast, beloved, to know the dust in which I dwell. I take not from that which I might take, for in its absence I'm left empty. And what is empty stands ready to be filled. I turn from what I love, for my love is barren, and I curse the earth. I turn from what I love that I may purify my loving and move from curse to blessing. From abundance I turn to want, as the soldier leaves leaves the comfort of home, of family and love, to know the barrenness of war. For it's only amongst the fight and the torture of loss in the fire of battle that lies are lost and the blind man clearly sees. In hunger of body and mind, I see the vanity of food. I've loved food as food. I see the vanity of sleep in weary waking vigil. For I've embraced sleep as desire, and I've never found rest. In sorrow, with eyes of tears, I see the vanity of pleasure. For I've treasured happiness above all, and have never known joy. I fast, beloved child, to crush the wall that is myself. For I am not who I am, just as these passions are not treasures of gold, but of clay. I fast to die, for it is not the living who are raised, but the dead. I fast to crucify my desires, for he who was crucified was he who lived, and he who conquered, and he who lives forever. And about asceticism, the ascetic mind is not one of stone, cold and darkened to the outside world. Too often those who stand apart from the heavenly struggle see it thus, and thereby thereby see it askew. To climb is not to descend, and to grow is not to die. Those who reject the world do so not out of hatred, not not out of scorn for the creation into which they've been born, but out of most profound love. It takes a true love deeper than most will ever know to consider the world which with such fondness and thanksgiving that one is willing to let it go. Hope and faith must be of the profoundest sort. If ever they are to give birth to a heart willing to break away from creation that it might one day be united more fully to it. The ascetic heart knows the world and knows that it is good. It can see the tranquil pond, the azure sky, the frail leaf, and catch every glimpse, in every glimpse, the radiant shimmer of the divine. In all things there is God. The ascetic heart knows creation and rejoices in its bounty. It 
sees the breath drawn in and out by all creatures. It watches as they mingle together in the Creator's hands. There is fawn, there is bird, there is beast. But all are life and all life is in Christ. The ascetic heart knows humanity. In its gentle sight, there is no man, no woman, only brother and sister, father and mother, daughter and son. The family of human life is united together with a bond only this heart can truly see. And once it is seen, it is all that can be seen in man. It doesn't see other people as a possession of its own or as an object of its desire, something to be controlled, or as a target for judgment. That bond of communion, reflection of the divine, is the nature of the human being. The ascetic strives to see this in every person he or she encounters. The ascetic heart knows itself and knows that it is good for all that may, be, may darken and stain its surface, that all may stain the handiwork of the craftsman, is still beloved, that craftsman being God our Creator. And what was once made divine can only be sullied and perverted, but never wholly destroyed. The ascetic heart looks within and knows of a great beauty to be found inside its own walls. Yet the same ascetic heart also knows of darkness. As much as it has rejoiced over its light and fullness, so much as it bewailed its void and emptiness, a brilliant light which cannot be seen suffers not always from its source, but rather from its surroundings. The ascetic heart is pure, but its purity is covered in shame. It is the unique gift of the ascetic to know this and her divine blessing that such knowledge wells up tears of grief like none in the world can call forth. To gaze deep within and see the sun with a capital S. The radiant sun which is to enlighten us. To see the sun darkened with the stains is to be pained in soul. And to see nature perfected and destroyed at once in the same breath. Unbridled joy and soul-wrenching agony collide. And if their collision be perfect, the ascetic heart is born. A couple comments. Beloved in Christ, we've been blind and overburdened for so long. Today our call is to allow within ourselves the ascetic heart to be born. This collision of soul-wrenching agony and unbridled joy. There's just over a week left in the current fasting season. And the word I need to hear, and the word I need to speak, is let's use it together. Let's use it to allow such a beautiful thing to happen within us. Let's not hesitate to deprive ourselves just a little bit more than we have. Let's not be afraid to stand 
or kneel or even fall flat in prayer, refusing to move until at least one tear is shed. Today our calling is this. Fast and pray. By fasting, we glorify God. Restraining the ego that is so inflated by our appetites. Let's take seriously this call to spiritual growth. See, it's not just a call to suppression of some kind, but it's a call to spiritual growth. By taking fasting seriously, we rediscover the beauty of simplicity. The functionality of food, yes, food is functional in our lives. But I hope even more we discover the necessity of prayer. But neither prayer alone nor fasting alone, let us couple them together in order to overcome all that can be destroyed by the blessed union of the two, prayer and fasting. May Christ, our true God, through his grace and love toward mankind, who took upon himself every suffering, that we might identify with him in his suffering, not to die but to live, to spring forth from a voluntary death of love unto life everlasting. Grant us true joy and true repentance that we may glorify him all the days of our lives, both now and forever and unto ages of ages. Amen.